This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's only fitting on the week that my Dallas Cowgirls have let me down once again, (laughs) Sean, that we have you on the show on Action Junkies, NFL legend Sean Merriman. Um, what's going on with this team? Can you explain this to me, why it's the same every year? You know, the funny part for me is, like, everybody else is surprised. <laughs> you, you get, like, when, this, when it happens again, it's the only people that are surprised to me are Cowboy fans. Yeah. Because everybody outside of the Cowboy, uh, Cowboys fans are seeing the same exact thing. Right. You go out and kill it during the regular season. Yeah. You're going to – Dak Prescott and that team's going to beat every team they're supposed to beat. Yep. And then when it's on the line, we're going to see what just happened. I mean, it's the same thing happens every time. At home. Yeah. That, you know, for me, honestly, what's – and I'm, and I'm speaking from experience. What's yeah. the need of having the home field advantage if you're going to lose and other teams have more wins at your home in the playoffs than you do? It's crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. Is is the problem – I mean, there's a lot of problems, obviously, yeah. right? I think it starts at the top with Jerry. Yeah. But I don't think Dak's the guy, man. I want him look, to be the guy. I, I know. Look, and, and then I, I hate saying this, too, because let's start, start with Jerry, right? Yeah. I mean, you can you can have your, your gripes about Jerry's or his control or, or how, how much he has over the team. But they put he put together one hell of a team. That's the truth. They, you know, so as as much as people want to want to complain and point the finger at Jerry Jones, you look at that roster. They're probably top three or top four most talented rosters in the NFL. Now, one thing I've never seen Jerry Jones do. I've never seen him catch a pass. I've never seen him tackle <laughs> anybody. I've never seen him fumble the ball. Yeah. You know, so when you when you look at those things, if you're talking about the top. Jerry Jones actually did a pretty damn good job at assembling the team. Now, if you want to place any blame really on Jerry Jones, and that's probably hanging on to Dak Prescott too long. Yeah. That if or or bringing Mike McCarthy and not realizing that he can't get them over the hump either. So if you want to blame Jerry Jones for anything, maybe that. But people point the finger at Jerry Jones. I I just I don't understand because he put together a hell of a team. That's hard to argue with that. I mean, and they did have some injuries, uh, obviously, yep. this year. So I know that didn't help. But just Dak. When I look at Dak, he just feel like he's indecisive. He 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 can't figure. He just sometimes he looks like a rock star out there, and then sometimes he looks like it's day one. It's there's never an in between to me. You, you know what? Uh, <laughs> you know what Dak reminds me of. Um, you know that thing, the swindler, <laughs> the, yeah. like that that Netflix, the, t- the Tinder swindler, the Tinder swindler. 
Dak sometimes come across to me as a swindler, right? He goes out and he will light you up during the regular season. Yeah. He's playing in the weakest division in football, in my opinion, than that's the East. Yep. You got you got Giants twice a year. You should you should win both of those. Philly, you should beat Philly because they they also are inconsistent team. Who else you got left over there? Yeah. Commanders, you should beat them twice. So automatically, you know that you got a very very good shot at winning six games, right? No matter what. Now you're going to play a couple of below average teams outside the conference. You should win those. So now you're already eight to nine win season before you even start to think of everything. So. That's what everybody is basing Dak Prescott's performance on. Those teams he should beat anyway. Right. Can't brag about that. No. Right. Yeah, and then the number of passes he throws off his back foot, it's making me crazy, man. It's like there's nothing on those balls that just get picked every time. And and some of those balls, you look at it like, what in the hell are you looking at? Right. Right? It's not even close. Right. And (laughs) that, that, that brings me to... When I when I think of the reason why he why he do that is he shies away from big moments. Mm-hmm. He shies away from big moments, and that's that's what it is when the pressure's on Dak. When the pressure's on him, and I'm talking about a win or go home situation, yeah. or a win a win a game, a big time game situation, he starts to do these erratic things. Yeah. That you can't put your finger on. That typically says that somebody he's not the guy. He's not that guy. He's not clutch. Yeah. And. I've always said this, and I and, and Dallas Cowboy, the fan, has been jumping on me for years. And I said this back right before he got his new deal. That if they paid Dak Prescott max money, that it was they were going to set them back a couple years. Mm-hmm. And just a few weeks ago, they were in talks about giving him a new max deal. And I'm thinking, like, who from who? Right. What is he? What has he done to deserve another max contract other than having a great regular season? Yeah. It's crazy, a, a, a franchise with that much history and all of that comes with the Dallas Cowboys to think of, was 97? Is it 97? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable to me. And and this this is the truth about Dak Prescott. I always said that he was above, above average quarterback. He's not elite. He's not elite. He'll, he's above average quarterback and go out win games when you want him to win. Dak Prescott is an upgrade to the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott will be an upgrade to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott will be an upgrade to the Saints. He's not an upgrade to the Dallas Cowboys because of, of, of what they're looking to do. Right. Right? Because you know with the Dallas Cowboys, you can have the greatest regular season. That's not what they're shooting. That's not what they aim for in, in Dallas. Right. It is, at worst, NFC Championship <laughs> or Super Bowl. Yeah. And if you can't do that in Dallas – you're unsuccessful, and that's what Dak Prescott is. He's unsuccessful, and that's why I said this morning. It came out. It was on, um, I believe it was like on Fox News, and I said this. I said they have to move on from Dak now. They can't. The, I don't think the fans are yeah. going to sit back and wait another year to see what happens because the first game that he goes out there and blows it next. If they keep Dak Prescott, the fans will turn on the Cowboys. Yeah, they will, and and they've been and, and the fans have been riding with them. And trust me, I, I my fam, half my family are Dallas Cowboys fans, and yeah. I'm miserable being around them. Yeah, I had to listen to them since I was a kid, so I know that the support, the the craziness, and the support of the team, no matter what it is, is there. But I think for the first time in a long time, if they bring back Dak Pres- Dak Prescott, they bring back Mike McCarthy, that first big loss next year, the, the Cowboys fans will turn on them. 
I'm already there, man. I tweeted during that game the other day. I tweeted because obviously all my friends are coming at me on social media, as they should. Uh, and I tweeted, like, as effective immediately, I'm no longer a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. Please update your records. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I just, I'd rather be a bandwagon fan based on the year. <laughs> Who <Yeah>. looks good? <laughs> and, 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 and that's I want to be happy during football but, season. But, that, but that's the truth. Yeah. That, that's the truth. And the only way, the only way, look. The only way to keep the Dallas Cowboys fans on board yeah. at this point is to make a drastic move. Right. And that's get rid of your head coach yep. or get rid of Dak Prescott. Yep. Or, or both. both. <laughs> or both. Yeah. And that's the only way to keep that stadium packed, to have the excitement coming into next year there again, to see what's going to happen. Because if they walk in with the same roster, the same coaching staff. Yeah. That first game that they lose, that stadium will be halfway empty next year. Yeah. Let me ask you this. If you were in the front office, who would you go get? Um, I, to be quite honest, I, I would be looking at somebody like a, a Rabel, mm-hmm. uh, offensive coordinator maybe from the Lions, looking at somebody, somebody like that. Yep. Bill Belichick, definitely not. I agree. I don't want, I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you say that? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. (laughs) <laughs> you know I'm in a fight business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't it, wait to talk about that because yeah, I'm a fight fan. If if Bill Belichick goes to the Cowboys, somehow that goes through yeah. with Jerry Jones there, I will move to Dallas <laughs> just so I can break up that fight. Because <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. Yeah, for it's sure. It's going to happen. Right? That's not going to work. No, it won't work. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely not going to work. Um that's interesting. Uh, so, okay, so you brought up the fight business. Yeah. Um, how did you get into that? I was um, – By the way, you still look like you could step on the football field and you look like you could kick some ass in the cage. And I've seen your, your – uh, when you're when not spar- – yeah, sparring. Yeah, sparring. sparring videos. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I – um, you know, I started training back in 06 um, yeah. with, with a lot of MMA guys. You know, Jake Glaze over at Fox Sports, the one sure. who introduced me to, you know, really MMA in general. Um, but, you know, I've met Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz, all these guys, and I just really got into it to help me in football. I didn't really think nothing of it. I grew mm. up actually boxing. My, I got uncles who were professional boxers, so, you know, that PG, Prince George's County area, that D.C., Maryland, Virginia area back home, there's a lot of professional boxers, big boxing, you know, circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I grew up boxing and fighting in the neighborhoods, obviously, you know, a lot of fighting in the neighborhoods growing up. Um, but I, I got into it just to help me in football, and I just started training with these guys every single offseason. You know, they, I would give them tickets to the games. Yep. In return, they, I would train with them during the offseasons, and uh, I ended up launching Lights Out Extreme Fighting, my, my MMA organization in 2019, um, which has been fantastic because we've given a lot of these up-and-coming superstars. Like, we, we, we got a fight coming up in February, February 16th in Long Beach. Yeah. Um, I think we got about two or three guys in this card that I, I think will have an opportunity at, at the UFC. Really? And, and yeah. So for me, we, we know UFC's the big dogs. I, right. I don't. I don't think that you want to be a feeder. Yeah. We and we we're okay with that. Yeah. You know, we're okay with that. I, I, I try to stay out of that uh that race of trying to be number one. Yep. 
Um, I think that the UFC has done a great job at branding who they are. I mean, hell, if, if you look at, if you don't know anything about MMA, you actually think UFC is a discipline. Correct. There's people that say, I train UFC. I train UFC. Yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> we I, make fun of them on Instagram, but that shows you how strong the brand is. That's them. And, it's, and it's, if you look at it, it's about 10 brands that you can say that if you are talking about, they actually think that's the product. Right. Right. And the UFC has done a great job with that. So we, for us, man, we, we got some other verticals coming with tech and, and more fan engagement stuff. And we're on Fubo Sports, Fubo TV. Um, we got some big news coming. I'm, I'm launching, uh, you know, platforms and also got a former NFL player that I just offered a contract to. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So when do you announce who that is? If when he accepts, you know. Okay. okay. Are we close? Uh, we, we're close. Um, you know, but this is my whole thing. I think that a lot of former athletes will end up transitioning, you know, into combat sports in general, but yeah. mainly into MMA because the opportunity is there. When I retired, I would have been took a fight in 2013 or 14. Really? I was training. Oh, yeah. But the money that I was looking for, everybody was looking at me crazy. Right. And it was you were early. And I was early. Yeah. Now and you probably would have got it. Yeah, now, in a heartbeat, now, now, maybe more. Yeah, now the money I was asking for, they would give it to me in the same day. Right. But I think the times has changed because of the distribution. Yep. Uh, pay-per-views and people also realizing in combat sports, especially when you can sell pay-per-views off a of name, it's you're going to 10x your money. Right. That wasn't the case when I retired. And so, you know, I'll be 40 in May. And I'm fortunate because I had a, you know, pretty decent, you know, decently long career. That's um, a, that's how you describe your career. Yeah, but well, you know, because <laughs> decently, I, yeah, it's decently long. But because you know, in football years, right? I was twenty eight when I retired. Wow, man, I, I was twenty eight, and I had. I now, actually didn't realize you were that young. Yeah, I was twenty eight, and that's why I said decently. Yeah, okay, you know, long, yeah. Because uh, you know, the average football career is three to four years, right? Which I think that surprises a lot of people. They don't realize that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you know, for me, I, like I felt good when I got done. I still felt like I can go at it. Now I could have had a ten year career in MMA. Uh, the problem was just the opportunity wasn't there until about 2017, 2018, when a lot of these promoters and and uh, TV networks and mm -hmm. streaming networks and hold on, we got a a guy with a name, he can fight, we can sell pay per views, right? And so around then is when they started to come around and make that uh make that a possibility. Hmm. Um, when you start an organization like that, how do you, I mean you just woke up one day and were like I'm going to start this, and then how did you go find Obviously, you can't do this by yourself. Yeah. So how did you go find the other pieces to, to bring this to life? Well, yeah, you know, I was fortunate because when I retired, I got straight into TV. Right with NFL Network a couple mm -hmm. years. I was uh, on that Good Morning Good Morning America, though, Good Morning Show. There's on yep. NFL Network now. That's in New York. Um, and I went to Fox Sports after ESPN and back to Fox Sports. And so I understood TV and production. Right. Yeah. So and obviously being around the fight business for almost 17 years now, I knew all the fighters, managers, gyms. And so it wasn't hard for me to get access to fighters and who's the matchmakers. And so you had the production side. I can reach out to somebody that was at Fox Sports yep. or ESPN, you know, uh, engineer, director, producer. And I knew all these pr production crews. And I just started bringing the top of the top in because I worked with them for, you know, eight, nine years before I actually launched Lights Out Extreme Fight. And so it was, it was, a, it was a perfect storm of me, me, first of all, loving the sport having the ability to understand how production works, and then putting on a three- to four-hour live show for mm -hmm. a, a television network or a streaming service, which, you know, when our first fight out the gate, everybody's looking like, damn, these guys must have been around for a decade. Really? And, you know, that's, that's the field that we, that we had because I had experience in all, the, all these other things. When you did that first event, 
uh, was was it? Did it go the way you thought? It did, but I I was nervous as hell. Yeah, yeah, because you know it's, you know, when it's on you. Yeah, you know, like I, I'll use an example uh, for a Sunday night, a Monday night football game, or something like that. You get there, they got your uniforms in the locker room. Yeah, they got your helmet, you know, shined up, and you walk out there to the field. The cameras are already set up. They got you know everything is set. You just going out and performing for three hours. Yeah, and. It's the reverse now. I'm the one that's in charge of making sure that, you know, my team is setting everything up right for the fighters to come in and do their thing, right? With yep. the commission and everything. I mean, it's, there, there's a lot of, you know, people come to the fights now that don't understand what it takes on the back end when, you, when they're seeing TV trucks and people running around. And I, you know, I got a staff of over 60 people that night, you know, from security all the way down to people in the truck to the cage operators to, right. I mean, to guys just walking to fighters. From the backstage, getting you know, commission. You're paying attention it's, to everything. It's it's a uh, you know it's it's an adrenaline rush for me because I want everything to be perfect. Right, it's your baby. It's yeah, it's mine. And you know, if everything's if if it fails, it's so hey, that, that's Sean Merriman's you yeah. know organization, and I and I take responsibility for whatever happens. So for those four hours that we're setting that we're on live, it's you know everything got to be on point. I uh, I was at Dana White's house uh, over the summer uh, watching Bare Knuckle. Yeah. Um, when Mike Perry fought Luke Rockhold. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting watching someone like Dana watch, be the customer yeah. of that event in his home. <clears throat> and the things that he notices that I never would have thought of until he, I heard him bring it up. Like one of the things was just look, watch how slow it takes them to just show an instant replay. Right. Like, I never factored that. Like, you take it for granted when you're watching things on the you know NFL level, NBA level, the UFC. You're just, we're just so used to seeing the polished, amazing product from the big leagues. Right. We, you don't really think about stuff until he points it out. Like, I was on my way to his house. He goes, um, where are you? I'm like, I'm... I'm uh, I'm on my way. I just left my house. He goes, well, the national anthem. He literally texted me. The national anthem. This, this was for a bo- This wasn't for bare knuckles. Sorry. This was another time for a boxing event. He goes, the national anthem just started. So that means you have 30 minutes. And I thought he was making a joke. Right. Boxing from the national anthem to intros, people, all these people in the ring. It's 30 minutes yeah. is insanity. And, and, you know, but someone like Dana who, you know, we and I got a pretty good relationship with him. And yeah. We, we catch up sometime. But somebody has been in the business as long as he has. It, it's like an eagle eye. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, and, and I'll take this back. And I learned a lot from Vince McMahon uh-huh. uh, back when I was working with the WWE, so, you know, some time ago. And the eye test that Vince McMahon has is something I've never seen. Really? You know, I haven't spent on the work stuff a lot with Dana, but, you know, I was spending some time around Vince McMahon. And when I tell you he'll walk out before a, a Monday Night Raw or Thursday Night SmackDown and see a light that's twisted, one light. It's a thousand <laughs> lights up there. <laughs> right. I, and I'm not – one light. And right. he'll say – he'll tap somebody and say, hey, turn that light. And I'm like – yeah, I turn to, you know, his his right hand. I'm like, is he, is he, is he always like this? He said, dude, you have no idea. And so, you know, the, the details that go in it, you know, and, and to your point, what, what Dana was seeing, I'll look at something, I'll look at the lower thirds, I'll look at the transition right. or the graphics package and stuff, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's bullshit. Yep. You, you know, and so and you, you can tell how much time they put into the details on yeah. whatever promotion, whatever organization or production you're watching. And so when you've been doing it long enough, you start to catch these things relatively quickly. Right. Or you can, you know, you can maybe... <clears throat> Kind of BS the public on how much time you spend on your production or how detailed you are, 
But somebody to now like Dana White or, or Vince McMahon, who's been doing it for so long, they'll look at that thing and, and call it out right away. Yeah. Is your goal to get acquired down the road from someone like UFC or or something like that? No, I. You know what, man? Um, I, I'm I'm terrified of, of that. Really? To be honest, yeah. Because your baby basically grows yeah. up and and leaves the yeah, house. Yeah, man. Because um, <laughs> I think that I think that sometimes people just look so far down the road they don't even enjoy the process. Yeah. Like you know the money and all that shit is great and that'll come. You know we're we're making money now. We're profit yeah. a profitable company, which a lot of people in, our, in in their positions that we are right now wasn't profitable. But yeah. that was something that's very important to me. And and we're steadily growing with these numbers on football. We're making seventy and ninety percent jumps in viewership. Wow. Um. You know time over time and. You know, um, when I go and I, and I talk to people, that's, you know, strategic partners or somebody want to come in, they ask and say, "Hey, what? You know, when do you when do you want to exit?" And I'm like, "Dude, I we got a we got a shit tomorrow, right? Uh -huh. We got we got things to do." Uh -huh. And so to actually look, you know, that far down the road at, at an exit and not be excited about this process, getting better, right? I mean. You know, little things. You know, taking partnerships and making sure, making sure we sell out every every time and. Just, just little things and enjoying the process. Is some, there's sometimes people want to jump to the finish line so yeah. fast. And we, we, one day that'll come. It, it, it will come at some point, and I haven't really put too much thought into it. But, man, this shit is fun. Yeah. It, it really, it, I really enjoy it. I feel it. I hear it in, yeah. in your voice. Um, what size venues are you guys typically um, in? Anywhere from you know, 1,500 to 2,400, yeah. somewhere around there. And, and, and we, we love that, man, because... For one, you want to sell out, yeah, right. And it's nice to go to these big arenas and these big places to hold five, ten, fifteen plus thousand people. But um, I love the inter, the more the the intermediate crowd, the yep. very that that small intensity, yep. and and you know you got you know family members and gym members sure. and then people from the area, the cousins of of the fighters. That energy in there when it's when it's like that is much smaller and. Um, one thing that the UFC now, and, and I always say this, and it's not talked about enough. I think this one of the smartest things the UFC's done in the history of the company is push push forward through the pandemic. Yeah, man, and have fights during in the apex. Yep, when they the Fight Island, everything they did in their process because it showed how they value their TV partner, the distribution. And doesn't matter if we got fifteen hundred people or, or five thousand people, and it doesn't matter if everybody can see us. Yeah. And, you and want, the, the yeah. apex living proof. Yes, I mean the apex holds maybe a couple hundred. Right, five hundred. I mean, yeah, and it's amazing in there. The energy in there, it's it's great. Yeah, and 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 I love that man because you know for us, um, you know we're live on football. We sh we show a week later on Bally's, uh, Amazon Freebie, and some MSG Network, and some other places. But ultimately, man, we we will have an opportunity to be shown all over the world, and and we our production says so, our our viewership and and, and that we're jumping says so. So yeah, I'm enjoying that that side of it more than anything else. Do you spend a lot of time trying to discover fighters as well, or do they? I'm assuming because you have an organization, your inbox is flooded with, "Hey, look at this guy! Look at this guy! Look at this!" But is part of the fun also like, "Let me go find someone." You know, it's uh, it's funny because you know your inbox is supposed to be with like hot women, hot chicks. Right? <laughs> you got dudes with no shirts. I got, on. I got, I got, <laughs> I got dudes in there saying, "Hey, I'm trying to jump in a car." Oh, women, you know, women right. fighters as well that's trying to jump in a car. But man, I, I love that. You yeah, know, because. When I first when we when I first started out, it was like trying to get a name for yourself, and so we, we would have sometimes these fighters that that would a pretty decent name in the MMA community wouldn't even respond, yeah, or we'll get the runaround. 
And now it's like, you know, people come around and we may not have room on a card now because we're so stacked up with, you know, some of the best talent in this in this sport that they we we might not be able to get them on a card for three or four fights. Right. Because we, you know, it's it's the tables have kind of turned, but that's what you want. You want to earn your earn your position in this business. And I think we've done that. Yeah, because I would think that's that's a lot of the fun, like finding the next Connor, the next Ronda, the next Paige, or whoever you know, like the especially on the girl side, yeah, like finding the the Anna Kornikova of MMA, no doubt, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, is how much of your time, like percentage wise, would you say that or the organization takes up? Because you're a busy guy, man. You're like. You're on social media, super active. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, you got the fight stuff. You still train. Like, how do you squeeze all this in? And um, how do you decide what gets what attention? My, my days normally start about about 4.30. I'll, I'll get a Dragon's Lair out here about 4.35 yep. in the morning. Um, and some some days, I'll leave from there in the morning still, and, and I'll get there right in time for Extreme Couture to open up. Um, I'll go train over there, or I'll go go spar top rank. Yep. Um, depending on who they got in there, what, what big bodies they got in there, and the rest of the days are talking to partners, potential partners, sponsorship. I bring all of our sponsorship. Really? Everything, yeah. All commercial inventory, sponsorship. You know, I, everything you see in the cage with lights out. Everything you see in the commercial that comes from come from me. Is a lot of that you just reaching out like relentlessly to brands and yeah. and. Yeah. through contacts you've made through football and broadcasting yourself and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a big part of it. But I also built out sponsorship teams. I built out, you know, people that can uh, really line everything up for me because I do realize that I'm not Superman. I can't right. do everything. But um, I, I know everything that happens with us, I got my hands in. Right? How do you figure out pricing for something like this, like when it comes to sponsorships and stuff? Because how do you know what range? Because I don't want to say you started, you're in a new category, but kind of. I mean, there's not too many feeder organizations that everyone that everyone knows. Yeah. You know, maybe Tough Enough, I, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah, they, they'll be getting that. Uh, it's Jeff over there that owns Tough, right. right? Yeah, they got, a, they got a good thing going. Um, and so for us, it's a combination of uh, viewership, mm-hmm. right? Because you got to show any, any potential partner, you got to show them numbers. Right. They want, what, what have you guys done? Right. Where are you airing that? How many times you airing? Um, and do they place value on the social media view- viewership as well? All they do. Okay. Yeah. Which which is another thing when you talk about me being active on social media, which I, I am. It that also plays a part of what kind of uh, con- branding branded content can you guys do? Right. right. Um, and, and you got some you know companies that are just shying away from combat sports because it's too brutal for them. Yeah. Right. That they don't want to get you know. I, and I have I might have a great relationship with them, and they say, look, Sean, we we love what you're doing. We we think you're doing a fantastic job, but combat sports is not for us. Yeah. And then that's when I got I pitched something else. Right. It's it's yeah. like a it's a, a ongoing thing. But yeah, everything you see with with lights out, I've kind of you know single handedly built yeah. and. Um, like I said, man, I, I enjoy it. So when we talk about exit, I'm like, okay, if somebody tomorrow came and took, you know, offered me money and I had to, and I, you know, everybody got a number. I don't care what you say. Everybody got a number. But it's like, oh, shit, what would I do? I can't work out four times a day. Right. You know, <laughs> like, what, what else I would do? I mean, I, I would probably, you know, spend more time with my insurance, you know, company or something yep. like that. You know, I'm pretty heavy, heavy with uh, uh, life insurance, with Family First Life and doing some stuff over there. But more importantly, man, you got to have that thing to get you up. Yeah. Right. And and for me, it's it lights out, gets me gets me going in the morning. It's been interesting to watch. I mean, combat sports, uh, at least with MMA, it, what the UFC is 30, 30 years now. Yeah. Right. That's so new when you think about it. I mean, the Fo- I know they're on ESPN now, but the Fox deal with UFC was what in like 2013 or something, 20 yeah. or whatever it was. Like, yeah. that's not that's 10 years ago. My first fight uh, for the UFC was in 2006. 
Wow. That I went to. First first one in 2006. Um, and when I walked in that scene, and they were still pretty pretty raw, pretty new. Right. Um, but and back I, then, in 06, there was maybe f- four to eight fights a year, UFC fights, right? Yeah. Right, or maybe eight, I think. Yeah, I think it was, there. yeah. It was, it was like was, one, almost once a month, kind of, sort of, right? Yeah, like, it was yeah. eight to ten, or something, right, somewhere okay. around there. And yeah. they, that, that was uh, the era of the Chuck Liddell. Right. And, I mean, you know, that, that was... Only pay-per-views. And only pay-per-views. Yeah. Um, but I, I knew at that point, when I saw it, it was something I wanted to get into. I didn't know how or when it was going to happen, but I knew it was something I was going to get into. Um, I was fortunate enough to work with Bellator for two years. I was like an uh, ambassador for them over there and worked with Scott mm-hmm. Coker and, and, and that great Bellator team they got over there. So by the time I launched Lights Out Extreme Fighting, I was ready to go already. It, right. it was like I already been around the big organizations. I, I knew the, all the execs there and, you know, and got a chance to be around it and physically be involved. Yeah. Um, and understanding venue deals. Like even with us, I work out all our venue deals, casino deals and everything. That, that goes for me. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, your broadcast team, do you pick that team? Yeah. And who is is it the same team? Yeah, Blake uh, Blake Bulletproof Troop who fought for us before. Okay. He's he's uh you know, not he not, not only is a, a damn good fighter, but he was uh, he's very technical in what he how he breaks things down. And to me, um I, I like that because I always tell any broadcaster, no matter what you're doing when you're starting out, talk to people like they're dumb. A hundred percent. And and it's it sounds, you know, derogatory, but it's not because it people at home appreciate you giving these little nuggets that they wouldn't automatically know, and, and Troop does a great job at that. And I also brought in uh, Pablo Asina, who was at uh, Fox 11, I believe it was in L.A. Well, I used to shoot myself, shoot mm-hmm. with him a lot on camera, um, and he brought it up a couple times. I've been able to bring him in. Um, Bonnie Jill, oh, laughing. Yeah. She, you know, I Bonnie know Jill is. Uh, yeah. She does our post commentary. I, I I called Bonnie up and I said, hey, Bonnie, I you know I really would like for you to be a part of what we're doing. So I, everybody that's in the organization, I've handpicked. That's really great. Um, do you get a lot of people pitching you that as well? Uh, people every, that want those jobs? Every day. Really? Every day. Yeah. In fact, uh, as I'm walking in, it was, you know, somebody hit me up on LinkedIn because, you know, they, they saw the fight was coming up. And like I said, I, we, you know, we, we're going to grow. And yeah. we're growing organ- organically because fortunately enough, I have access to, to media Right, which is tough in this business because media costs typically to get. Yeah, um, and not for me. I just you know I, I can do that, but when you like I said, it wasn't like this a year a year and a half ago. Right, it, it just wasn't. And you know now everybody's seeing the growth and what we're building and want to be a part of it, man. And I thought I think that's pretty cool. What's the most stressful part of it for you? Um, is there one thing? I I fund everything myself. Really? Yeah. yeah. So meaning you're all in on the event. You're, the event's going to happen come rain or shine right. on your checkbook, yeah. and then you're actually in recoupment mode first, yep. and then hoping to get in profit mode. Yeah, yeah. Or profit every, zone. Every, the whole staff, everybody gets paid by me. <clears throat> wow. Um, and so, that's stressful, man. Oh, oh you got to be a bit crazy, I guess, <laughs> a little bit. But I don't, I don't look. You know, it is. But but when you believe in something so much and it's working how you planned on it to work, um, then you feel good about it, and so. You know, I, I don't. I'm not bringing anybody that don't believe in it like I believe in it. Yeah. And also, I would. I didn't get her by accident. And right. so, you know, typically we have some people that and people are throwing money left and right. Yeah. Uh, they they just are. And you know, we got a pretty good deal going with Fubo, and we'll have a, a an opportunity for an international deal here at some point soon. And so, yeah, the money part part people are throwing it weekly. Weekly, somebody's coming in, coming in and trying to get involved. But if they don't have the vision, they don't see things how I see it. I didn't get here by accident. So it's hard for, for me to open up and give anything away when 
you haven't built it. I mean, to, to do what I've to do what I've done at this point and not taking any money in, it's unbelievable. It's yeah, it's unheard of. It, yeah. In fact, I think that you know UFC was kind of in a hole between six and eight million dollars where they are. A hundred percent. Uh, and I realized they almost that shut it down. They almost did, yeah. And if the contender that the the contender, Ultimate Fighter Ultimate Fighter came yeah. out, and it was the biggest thing I think that happened in reality TV at yeah. the time. Um, and so to do what we've done and have that have the team that we that I've been able to assemble has never been done in this sport before. So I feel pretty good about that. Though your fighters get are they considered amateurs or professionals? Both. We so, got amateur. We got so both. So some get paid and some don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've seen uh, all the the. Uh, Dana, people coming after Dana about fighter pay. Yeah. And he always says, if you want to go do start your own organization, you're free to do it. You can pay them whatever you want to pay them. I would imagine that statement speaks to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, I, I'm a former athlete too, right? Right. And so, so you've been both sides. Been on both sides. And, and I understand both sides. Yeah. I understand both sides. Um, and I make a joke uh, about I understand why Dana's ball headed, right? Because <laughs> this this business could do that to you, and especially the time that they were doing it with no social media, right? And back when Dana and the UFC was coming up, yeah, you know the sport was looked at as very barbaric. Uh, I was gonna say no social media, and no one would cover it. Nobody, would cover not it. even ESPN would cover nope. like the, Tito Ortiz is the champ, Chuck Liddell. You wouldn't hear it. Nope. Nope, they would maybe up. a little ticker. They would all shy away from it, and so I, I share those sentiments when you know, like Donald Trump was the only one that gave them a shot with a yeah. casino, and I and I understand being in this business, the, the you know kind of people poking their nose up at certain things. And mind you, people don't even understand you. The MMA was just got cleared in New York like 2015. Yeah, and so when you're talking about the growth of of, of this business, growth of this sport, it ain't even started yet, and. That's why I feel so comfortable be, being in it, and we can be big on our own without even trying to compete with the UFC and building our own organic, you know, circle of, of fans. Yeah, and we're doing that. We're doing that right now, and um, you know, I think that UFC's just done it better than everybody else. Is there something to be said about fighters at the end of the day, and all athletes, most to most extent, you get paid what you're worth? Meaning, like, you don't hear Connor fighting about it or right. arguing about it. Like if you're if you're out there and you're able to be a marketing machine yourself and people want Jake Paul is a perfect example, right? Yeah. People will pay to see this guy fight. Doesn't it fall on the fighter? A hundred percent. It does, right? A hundred percent. And the reason why I said up because I'm a former athlete, I understand both sides. There was a time um back when I was playing that we used to complain like hell about the no guarantee contracts, right? Yeah. Or NBA gets, you know, 50 million, 100 million guarantee whether they step on the court or not. Right. We used to complain about that. And then look now, Patrick Mahomes got a half a billion dollar contract. Uh, Lamar Jackson has a $250 million guarantee. <laughs> Joe, Bar like, it'll come. Yeah. It, it's going to come. And people can complain all they want. And I'm speaking from, I, I, if I had a billion dollars, I would pay the fighters way, way more, right? Yeah. If I, we had it. Yeah, but you also have to understand that if you're trying to pay everybody more money, how the damn organization going to survive? And if you right. go to a lot of these fighters or the fans, the people that are complaining, ask them to take a sheet of paper down and write down from production costs all the way to salary, yeah, all the way to what that satellite truck costs, all yeah. the way to this the the uh, the money you got to give to the food to staff and hotels. You tell them to take a sheet. And you start from top to bottom 
Yeah. And I guarantee you they couldn't name what four things cost on that 25-page list. Right. And so until you can— Right down to catering. Right down to catering. <laughs> I mean, and it's the stupid shit to add up. Yeah. You know, guys are, need an extra couple hotel rooms a night because they are coming from a different state or country. Yep. And you do that enough time and, and all these things start to add up. And most people that's complaining about fighter pay or, or whatever don't even understand what all goes into it. Now, could, could Dan and UFC pay them more? Yeah. But they're in the business of being profitable and making as much money as they can. Right. And to his point, if, if there's somebody else out there that will pay you more, you have a better opportunity – Go. I think that everybody should go where they have the best opportunity. Right. I mean, I'm not Francis Ngannou. Great. Right. Make all the make all the damn money you want to, but don't forget also that platform that allowed you to have a name. Correct. That's why they got the more. That's money why at the you other got the money. And so you know when people complain about even Luke. Luke, yep. that's my boy. He when when he when he when Mike Perry knocked his teeth out, yeah. I I, fa- I was on FaceTime after the fight with Luke. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you gotta get that shit fixed, right? Yeah. And he did because he made it they, you know, yeah. um David, He's too handsome not to have teeth. Yeah, yeah, he's a good looking <laughs> dude. Um and so you I, me understanding the the platforms that some of these things give you and you understanding how to use it right. People people may have the same gripes about the NFL. People had the same gripes uh, over in NASCAR. I got friends that's over in NASCAR. So it doesn't matter. But if you use that platform correctly, that big platform, Francis is making, what, 12, 15, 20 million this fight or whatever that number is. And he, yep. he's making that not only because it's hard work, because he did, he busts his ass to get to that position. So it's not, he didn't, it's not like he didn't work for it. Sure. But the UFC put him at, at, at a global level, a global superstar, where in two boxing fights he can request fifteen plus million dollars, and and that's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, and came out, showed up too. Yes, he did. I was shocked. I wasn't expecting that. No one, no one was. Yeah, I was not expecting that. I, I didn't. I didn't. Because uh, what other, what other UFC fighter or MMA fighter has done that? I no, mean, and not look good doing it. Right, and not actually. Um, you know, they didn't go fight some no-name boxer that was on the street. They <laughs> right. fought, a, fought a one of the best yeah. heavyweights, if not one of the best heavyweights of all time. Yeah. And and actually, you know, many can have the conversation that if he, if he won or not, and I think he did. What do you think of the whole Jake Paul thing with boxing? Good <clears throat> for the sport, bad for the sport? Where are you with that? I think it's great for entertainment. Mm-hmm. And um, I was fortunate enough, I'm really good friends with Shane Mosley. Shane Mosley called me up one day uh, when Jake is like one or two fights in. And he said, hey, I got, you know, Jake up here in the crew. They're training a Big Bear. You got to come see this kid. Come hang out. Come work out a little bit. So I did. I went up there for a week, man. I saw him, and, and Jake was working his ass off. And it, I didn't, at that point, I didn't look at him like a YouTuber. I didn't look at him as a, uh, you know, kid's TV star. Yeah. I looked at him as this dude was hungry as hell because not only did I see him training, but I saw him sparring other up-and-coming boxers and getting his shit kicked in a little bit and coming yeah. back at it. So I knew he, he was going to be something. And anybody that's mad at him coming into the business doing what he's, what he's doing, first of all, it's it's unlikely to ever happen again that you got a somebody who can actually fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying a boxer. I say fight. Right? Yeah. Yep. I want to you know, take the – he can fight. I'm not calling him a boxer because he you know hasn't come up in the rank as an amateur. You know. Right. He can fight. And yeah. so somebody who can fight and somebody who had a big following, as he did, that he self-built himself, Yeah, that, that combination, it was a, was a recipe for a massive, massive amount of success. Yeah. And he just, he's, he cap, 
Jake capitalized on that better than anybody have in the history of entertainment when yeah. it comes to those two colliding. 100%. I, I hated on him in the beginning uh, when he was fighting that retired athletes. And then even when he fought Askren, I was like, come on, man. You know, and it bothered me calling, referring to himself as a boxer. Uh, I like what you said when you say, you know, fighter. Um, but anyone willing to step in there with Woodley, Diaz at any point earns my respect. I mean, if you're willing to stand in that you know, ring with Tyron Woodley, yeah. you're fearless. I mean, come on. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and then, too, I think that, um, you know, people can give him as much shit as they want, but at the end of the day, there's, there's a lot of 15 and 0 boxes just still fighting trash. Right. Right now. Padding records. Padding records. Yeah. And that's and, a good point. And, and you know, it's happening. It's That's a ha- great point. It's happening. It happened for decades. Right. Um, so for him to get in there, even with some UFC fighters that are not really great boxers, for him to have the success he did, you got to give him He's credit. He's still taking the risk. He's still taking the risk. Yeah, you're right. Because, I mean, the whole boxing model is, right, 31-0 versus 28-0. Someone's O's got to go. I mean, we've heard this for years, yeah. right? And we can't. you couldn't name any fighter that those guys have fought in most maybe their last two, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, you know, boxing, and I'm happy for boxing because I grew up in a boxing family. I grew up in a boxing neighborhood in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and they were all boxers around. I'm happy that boxing starting to come back around by having the, the Ryan Garcia, Javante fights, and Terrence Crawford, Spencer. Like, boxing has been missing that probably since Floyd retired. Yeah. When, you know, you got two big-name guys fighting each other. You know, Deontay Wilder finally, you know, fighting Tyson Fury a couple times. Anthony Joshua's getting back – so I'm happy for boxing because, and I, this is why I blame some of the boxing fans. They got to get out of this mindset. If you lose one, you're done. Agreed. Because it's, it's, it's killed the sport. Yeah. And when the best fight the best, somebody's going to lose. But they're not fighting for each other. They're fighting to give the fans the best quality of fight possible. Yeah. And so if, you're, if the fans are going to say, hey, this guy is 28. No, he lose one. Now he got to go back down to zero. No, no boxer's going to risk that. The managers, the, uh, the, the, the TV um, networks yeah. that are getting in the way and saying, nobody want to mess up that cash cow. But how about we step out, this, out the way and make these two, you know, the number one guy fight the number three guy, number two guy fight the number five guy, not the number two guy fighting 25th. Right. And nobody want to see that shit. And that's what, that's what killed boxing. I and so I, I hope that the boxing fans get out of that mindset of, Hey, guy, this guy lose one time, it's over. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. It does kill the sport because it, it uh, they're not even getting a fair shake of the matchups anymore right. because everyone's worried about getting the, taking the L. Yeah. 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 Um, I've asked this question to Marshall Falk. I've asked this question to Marcus Allen, to Warren Moon, to Willie Galt, to Kenny Lofton, uh, football and baseball players. Uh, Deion Sanders and his answer uh, surprised me. Um, the better athlete, football players or baseball players? Football, football players, and I, and I and I, don't, I think this by a wide margin too. Really? Yeah, because oh, you're it, killing it, me. No, because you know what? If in I, I was a guy that played, I started out playing basketball first, and I ended up getting to football. Football players are the only athletes that have played all three. You rarely see a, a basketball player to play baseball, to play football, ran track, and deal. football players have ran track, and I'm talking about competed in uh, Olympics, played baseball, 
Oh, see, that's the part I didn't really realize. Yeah, so, but if you, I know like Rodney Pete did. I yeah. know Dion, obviously, but really a lot of. Fo- I always felt like that was rare that football players actually played baseball. No, it was. It happened a lot. I mean, okay, you know, a lot, a lot of these quarterbacks, you know, Kyler Murray, all these guys, Patrick Mahomes, these all were really, really damn good baseball players. Not very, not very many great baseball players can pull up a high school football highlight tape and say, "Hey, this was me." Very few. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I, I would say football players by far because of just the, uh, the, uh, the, the ability to be explosive, change direction, durability, toughness, mm-hmm. and, and, and also the discipline to learn how to be better in what they've, what they've done. It's very rare that you get a, a baseball player, especially a big-name baseball player, that was great football player in high school and college. Do, do you think the fact that now there is guaranteed money in the NFL that more guys will pick football over baseball? Um, and, and like, it shocked me, like, even Rodney Pete, I can't believe he picked football over baseball because he's a guy that could have gone yeah. baseball. What is the allure of football so much that you'd even risk knowing that the average career is three to four years, yeah. knowing that the money back then, like for Rodney, was not guaranteed – how on earth do you go, yeah, I'm going to go to the NFL instead of MLB? I think that if, if the NFL, they realize if the NFL don't work out for you, baseball going to be there. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's, that's true. Yeah. If, if baseball don't work out for you, football ain't going to be there. True. You, you're not, you know, being three or four years removed from the game and then go trial for a, a, ba- a football team and make it. Right. I think the, the, the reverse, and, and we talked a lot when Colin Murray was coming out of Oklahoma, right, and he, that decision and – Everybody was a little bit scared to draft him because he was still talking about his love for baseball, right? And they kind of kind of stayed away from him a little bit. But look, things don't work out in football. You know, you get traded a couple times or hurt, you can still go out there and throw baseball pretty damn good. And so I think that if the, the mentality for them was if this thing don't work out, that's where I'm going. Yeah. Who do you think takes more damage, uh, an NFL player or a M- MMA fighter? NFL, NFL. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. NFL. And uh, what's it? Um, Jamal Hill, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, he just tore his Achilles. Yep. Not too, you know, this was last year. Yeah. And uh, I reached out to him. I got you know, got a pretty decent relationship to him. And I also tore my Achilles. Yep. Back when I played. And so you know, also the fun part about being in this sport. I Man, I already did all this shit that all of them are trying to do. Right. right? I already I already worked my way up. Yep. You know, I already fought my battles and, and, and kind of went through it. So when I'm talking to some of these fighters, I already did what they on that level that they're trying to do. Um, so it's fun for me to, to be able to do that. And so when I saw that he tore his Achilles, you know, I hit him up and said, hey, make sure you see this doctor. Make sure you're doing this and stuff and, and whatever. Because I remember when I tore mine. And when I tore mine, uh, I got a call out the blue from Kobe. Really? Ryan, yeah. What's that like? It was uh, – well, I tore my knee first, and then it started talking about my Achilles, and he called me. Did you know him at no, the time? No, no, no. I wow. never, never met him in person. Um, and I guess he got in my, hold of my agent, one of my agents at CAA. I was yep. with CAA. And uh, he, he picked up, he, I picked up the phone, and I said, hey, who's this? It was a Newport number or somebody he was calling from. Who's this? He says, Kobe. I'm like, Kobe? Kobe who? <laughs> Brian. Sean, this Kobe. And I'm looking at Kobe's my favorite player. Yeah. I'm looking at my phone like shit. I'm, you know, I don't know what to say. You yeah. know. Um, but anyway, he he was a he was a big fan. He knew everything about me. And and uh he said, Look, um, I, I saw you had a knee injury and an Achilles injury. I didn't want you to go see my doctors in Germany. 
Wow. And first of all, if Kobe Bryant called you, you you not only answer, but you, if he told me to go to, go to the moon, 100%. I'm going to look for a space, right. a space shuttle, right? Right. Um, and so I went over there. I seen his doctors over there and took care of me. And, and uh, you know, I got a pretty good relationship with him after that. And we met up at the um, first time actually sitting down and talking with him was probably in 2009 at the ESPYs. We sat there and we talked for a little bit. But it, it was amazing, man. And we kept a pretty good relationship throughout that time. But uh, yeah, to, to get a call from Kobe in that standpoint, that's that's why I felt like I had to pass it down. When I, I saw when I saw Jamal Hill, it's any any one of these guys I see struggling, had an injury that I personally dealt with. I'll, I'll pick up the phone, and if I got their number, I'll hit up hit them up. Or if we follow each other on, on social media, and I'll, I'll DM them. That's really cool. I love that. I love guys that respect the game and respect you know that the what the what you are able to pass down to other just athletes it doesn't have to be football. You know just. Guys that understand, you all understand, you're all in that same club of you understand, you know, you started off young and in high school and then college and, and you know what, what comes with the territory of being a pro athlete. It's amazing. Sean, this was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming by. And uh, I hope we get you again sometime. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Let thank me ask I'm you there. this. One last thing. If you had to make a Super Bowl prediction, mm. can you make it? Mine's already dead. <laughs> I, 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 uh, that, that was never my choice. I tell you that one. That, that's, that was the least of my choices. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think anybody's beating the Ravens right now. Yeah. The, the way they're playing, just st- not not even the talent. Forget the talent that they have. Lamar Jackson, he's been playing out of this world. Um, Odell and, and Flowers, all that you know that defense. Um, they got my 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 former pass rush coach in the offseason, Chuck Smith. When I saw him bringing him in, I said they, they're going to do a lot of damage up front. I got the Ravens because I don't think anybody's going to beat them until then. Um, and I got the Lions. Uh, me too. I, I said, you know, so I, I said the Lions. I got this this deal going with Bet Online, you know, partners of mine. I work with them. And I said before the season started, we was doing an interview and we had an uh, you know, interview and they said, hey, who do you pick the Super Bowl? I said, uh, I, I got the, you know, I got the Ravens and I think I threw um, the Bills up there as well. They said, "Who on the NFC side?" And I said, "The Lions." Really? And they put, and I'm gonna I'm post it next week. And again, when it comes out, because this is before the season even started. And I said that, and they put it out, and I got lit up. I mean, I, they were they were just chewing me up on, on social media and all these places. And I said, it, "It's a match made in heaven." Because for one, even though Green Bay is playing better football now, they're not the same as they were when Aaron Rodgers. Right? right? They're still a really good team. So right now, because of how the Lions finished off last year, yep. and that momentum going right into next year, they did exactly what I thought. They beat the Chiefs early on during the season. They can people can holler up, you know, Travis Kelsey, you know, Chris Jones. I think they would still beat them no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I also said this past week before I said they get past the Rams, which is going to be a tough fight because they're just they're another team, their style of play you don't want to play. I got them going to the Super Bowl. Wow, and you know just. Nobody, just like the Ravens, they're gonna the physicality, the way they play. Nobody wants to play them right now, and I don't think nobody wants to play the Lions. Man, all right, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm definitely hitting you up next August uh, for your for your uh, <laughs> prediction of who's gonna go because I'm a better. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks a lot, Sean. Uh, new guy. I don't know if you know how to end the show, but but let's do it. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Yeah. That's good shit. That's-